as I said uh, a little moment ago, uh, I'm continuing this morning in our teaching series on seasons. And this morning, we are looking at when life feels in between, in between two places, the now and the not yet, the what is uh, and what God wants it to be. And um, these seasons of in-between can be really frustrating. Uh, seasons of in-between can involve waiting and trusting God and not quite knowing how things are going to work out and not being able to see that. Uh, and they can be exhausting and you can get weary. But do you know, seasons of in-between are completely human. Um, I want to show you a quote that I, I read. And when I read this, something inside of me just came to life. I thought, yes, that's it. This is from a a book called Unlocking the Torah Text, and it says, Man is the only creature forged from both the upper and lower spheres. We are essentially creatures in conflict, shaped from the dust of the earth into which God breathes his spirit of life. Heaven and earth vie for supremacy within our souls. I loved that when I read it, and I thought, yeah, do you know, sometimes when I'm in that season, that's exactly what this feels like. And, uh, I want to illustrate that to you. If, if I think about my dog, who was always going to make it into this talk at some point, uh, if I thought, think about my dog, um, my dog doesn't have this in-between season situation. I never see my dog pacing around my house thinking, when can I fulfill my potential as a Labradoodle? When will that happen? I never see my dog eating a tissue, me telling him off and then going, I'm just not the dog I was intended to be. One day I'll get there. He doesn't care. Um, but this is something human. This is something that humans wrestle with. This is an image of God placed in humanity sort of season, this season of in-between. And so As frustrating and exhausting as these seasons can be, I believe that because God has given it specifically to humanity, that God has a purpose in those seasons for us. And it is that purpose that I want to spend a little while thinking about this morning. Because we as humans, we're not good at waiting. My husband, I love him, is not always great at waiting. Um, We are an impatient breed. We, We want to get from A to B as quickly as possible in the most efficient way of getting there. But when we're waiting between the now and the not yet, the what is and what God has in store, that doesn't always work that way. That's not God's timing. And so we spend time wrestling with that. Um, forgive me if you've heard this story before. Uh, I have told it here, but I thought it illustrated the point well, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell it again. Some of you can switch off. Um, when I was a lot younger, in my younger days, I uh, went to Greece for a few months and I worked abroad. And I went for three months and I did youth work on this kind of mission thing. And the people there clearly didn't know my nature that well because they thought it would be a great idea to teach me how to sail and give me sailing qualifications. Now, I'm from Warwickshire. I am not born for the sea. Uh, It was always going to go badly. And um, I I did these qualifications. And I think because these guys were my friends, they passed me because they had to. And uh, this one day, they were like, right, you've made it. You are now qualified to take out this catamaran. It's kind of like a boat on skis, basically. And uh, me and my friend went out on this catamaran, just the two of us. And um, now, you're going to... If anyone actually knows anything about sailing here this morning, then you're going to know what a palaver I'm about to make of this story. So um, we were sat on this catamaran, and it was really still. There was no wind. And so we thought, this is going to be absolutely fine. So I took uh, one of the rope things on one side, and she took a rope thing at the other end of it. And um, I had the sail end, 
sail, that's the terminology. Uh, and I had this rope and she had the other rope and we were going along absolutely fine. And then all of a sudden, we got to Windy Corner and the wind just picked up and we were not ready for it. And what happened was um, I wasn't holding the rope very tight at all if at all, and the sail swings right around. Um, I panic, because that's what I do, and let go of the rope. She, I'm not even sure what was going on at the other end. The whole thing tips on its side. It ends up with my friend dangling upside down from her knees with her leg caught in the footstrap of the boat. My, the guys that were on the beach had to drive like an emergency boat and cut us out of this situation. I was physically bruised, emotionally bruised, spiritually bruised. It was a very bad time for me. Now, we got back to shore and they were like, what went wrong? And so we had to tell them what we were doing, much to our shame. And you can imagine I was never let out again. Um, but apparently what we were supposed to be doing was one person was supposed to be sat in the middle with both ropes in their hands, holding the two ropes in tension, making sure that they, the, the two ends of the boat, that they, whatever was happening on the end of the other rope, I'm not sure, the two things were balanced. And what I had done is not only put my weight in one of the two areas, but I'd let the rope go slack because I wasn't expectant that my situation would change. And as we think about this time of seasons, of being in between, so often we can make the mistake of focusing too much on the now and not lifting our eyes to the not yet. Focusing too much on where we are and not where God wants us to be, that we actually lose our expectancy. We lose our expectation that God could shift things and move things at any moment. Because when he does, we need to be ready for him. We need to position ourselves with the now and the not yet, one in each hand, and position ourselves in a position of expectation that God will move. But we are going to look at that as we move on. There's a story uh, that I want to help us to look through this morning specifically, and that is the story of a man called David in the Bible. If you're not familiar with him, he's kind of in the first half. Um, And he is a guy that when he was really young, someone came to him and said, one day you are going to be king. I know there's a king now. He's not that great. One day you are going to be king. And so David is told this thing that God's calling on his life, this, this massive deal when he's young. And he continues to be a shepherd and continues to do his thing in the day in, day out. He then goes to give his brothers some lunch, ends up fighting a giant, as you do. And he wins. And then he becomes a musician for the king. He's doing that for a while. And then he becomes a commander in the army. And eventually he becomes king. David spent 15 years in a season of in-between, of a season of in-between what is and what was to be, of what God had for him. So how do we live in a really healthy way in that moment of in-between? And what does that look like for us? What does it look like for maybe some of us here who feel like we are in a situation and a season, God has so much more, but we're not there yet. Maybe you're in a job or a situation and you feel that God has put a calling and a dream in your heart, but where you are, you're in between. You're not there yet. God has not shown you how he wants you to use that thing. Maybe it's around financial provision, that uh, you're, you're in the situation that you're in, but you're sure God wants to bring breakthrough, but you're not there yet. There's so many places that this could apply. It could be around health, where maybe you're, you're ill or you're waiting for results on something and it's not happened yet. Caught between what is and what will be. And so as we look at this this morning, there's two particular areas that we're going to speak into. When we're in a season in between in terms of where we are, but then also being in a season in between who we're called to be as well. Who we are 
and who God calls us to be. So we're going to look through those two things. So um, before we kick off into where, our where season, um, I am loving the weather. I just have to say that. I am absolutely loving the weather. Um, I have not felt this delighted with the weather for the rest of the year, I have to say. Um, It rained a lot initially, and then it snowed a lot. Uh, which I was really pleased with at the time. And then it got rainy again, and then it snowed a whole lot more, which was a bit of a surprise to us. And then it got really cold, and then it nearly snowed at Easter, odd. And then it got really hot, and then it got really cold again. And now it's baking. I have to be honest with you, I'm confused. And uh, I realised in the times that it's been hot in the last couple of weeks, that I've stood in front of my wardrobe and I've actually forgotten what I wear when it's hot. It feels like it's been so long that I have no idea what I'm supposed to put on. You might think, well, that explains what you're wearing today. But I, I just can't remember what I wear. Um, I just use that as an excuse to go shopping. Um, but what I do every year is I get to a point where I go, I am sick of the season I'm in. I'm sick of this in-between. I'm going to dress for the season I would like it to be. And I have started doing that this year. I, uh, I go, I'm not wearing a coat anymore. I'm too good for coats. The weather will learn. I put on a small jacket, some thin trousers, head out and get completely rained on. I come home freezing cold and wet. Um, and then this is what I do. I genuinely, every year, and I've already started it this year. Um, but we do that in our seasons in life as well. We, um, we stand in this season of in-between and go, do you know what? I want to be there. So I'm going to do myself in my strength, whatever I can do to beckon in that season, to, to convince myself that that season is going to come. But if we move out of the season of in-between too soon, then ultimately what happens is it's us that ends up being unprepared. Us that ends up being wet and cold and damp, when actually we might be better looking at the season that we're in and saying, what does God want me to do here? So, we are going to crack on and read the passage that we are looking at today. So, uh, we're going to 1 Samuel 24. Uh, I mentioned to you that there was this in-between season for David. This, is, this chapter is from when David wasn't yet king. And um, he has been a commanding officer in Saul's army, who's the king at the time. And Saul begins to take a dislike to David. And then people make up this song. This song that says, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. You know, when you're already annoyed with someone and someone starts singing something like that, you get even more annoyed. So Saul's there getting really mad and he decides, right, that's it, sack it, I'm going to kill David. I've had enough of him, he's gone. Uh, But David finds this out and so he runs away. He runs away, he goes via a priest's house to pick up some supplies and uh, he finds himself hiding out in this cave. Uh, And this is where we join the story. So this is 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 to 4. It says this, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Great name for some rocks, by the way, if you're considering naming some. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. So he's going to the toilet here. Um, But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now it's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So... David crept forward and cut off a piece at the, um, at the hem of Saul's robe. Stephen Furtick has done a brilliant job uh, of a of talk on this passage. And the next couple of minutes are, are points that he picked up that I just thought were excellent and wanted to share with you. Um, 
For David, you can understand his frustration in this season. He's been waiting for years and years on a promise that he believes that God gave him. He will be so frustrated. And on the way into this cave, he passes a sheepfold. The place where he came from. The place where all this began. And I, I wonder whether he just thought, how have I ended up back here? I have been in between for so long. I thought things were moving forward. How am I back right at the beginning again? And so he's at the back of this cave. And, and hidden at the back of this cave, he is aware that out there at the front of the cave is what represents what was. And right in front of him is what could be. And he's stuck in between these two things. And you can understand in that moment why he would feel like it was right to act and right to do something. But there's another thing in this situation which I believe leads to David making a not great choice. And that is the counsel that he has given in that situation. The people that are around him. You see, uh, we see in this passage that what they say is, the Lord, uh, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David cut forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Do you know half of that sentence is true? Half of it is true. Half of it, a few times in 1 Samuel actually, God says, um, David will be given power, Saul's power will be taken from him, and David will be given power. It's true. But so often, the best lies are based in partial truth. You see, this guy then goes on to say, and so, do with him as you wish. Do you know, if you're ever frustrated, you're ever in a time that feels in between, a time between uh, where there's a now and a not yet, and you're desperate for something to happen, if ever you feel like you're justifying the promises that God has given you, and it is your right to do as you wish in that situation, you're in a very dangerous place. Because that is the first step towards cutting corners. That is the first step down a road that God does not intend for you. This was never about doing as he wished. This was about recognising that actually God is the God of that season. And God will orchestrate and direct that season. And he has to do what God asks. It was not for him to push into in that moment. And so if you're in a position where you say, do you know what? Um... I'm at work and, and this, everyone gets promoted ahead of me. No one recognises what I do. It will be so easy for you to think in that situation you could do as you wish. I'll just come in late. It doesn't matter. No one recognises. I'll just take that stationary home. I don't, they don't, they don't appreciate what I do anyway. Never in that situation are you called to do as you wish. You know, if you are in this season of in-between, then what I would say is there are two things that I would deeply, deeply advise that you do. First of all is look at the counsel that you get. You see, you need to surround yourself in that season when you are vulnerable with people who will give you really good counsel, people who are more bothered about what God is doing in you than where God is trying to take you, because what God is doing in you is a lot more important. The other thing that I would say is that you need to have a look at the season you're in and say, what does God call me to do faithfully today? What right now does God want to do in me so that I might be ready for the season that he's calling me into? And that is the thing that I will commit to and that is the thing I will press into. You see, I really believe that you don't want to be where God wants to take you before you're ready to go there. Because ultimately, just like me with my clothes, you'll end up unprepared. There is one other thing to point out in this verse. Um, and this was something I nearly, nearly overlooked until I read the whole thing together. Um, so you imagine... 
that David's in this cave. He goes up to Saul's robe and he cuts the robe. But what he cuts the robe with is really significant. I mentioned that he swung by a priest's house. Um, So this is actually from chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. Um, David asked Ahimelech, who is the priest, do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't have time to grab a weapon. That's not entirely true. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, who you killed in the valley of Elah, the priest replied. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want, for there is nothing else here. Well, there is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. And so the tools that David has in his hand in this season of in-between is actually a tool that reminds him of who God is. A tool that says, all those years ago, I promised you something, and this was the first moment when you began to see it come to pass. This reminds you of who God is, it reminds you of who you're called to be, and it reminds you that this is in my timing, and we're doing this my way. Now, unfortunately, David uses that in the wrong way, but I wonder whether God has given you a sword in your season. Maybe, not literally, I mean, maybe, I don't know what you're planning on doing with your afternoon, but I wonder whether God has given you a sword, a tool to say, look, I've done it before, and I'll do it again. I'm faithful. This is who I am. I have promised you this. And your tool might look like um, a podcast. It might look like a friend that reminds you of truth. It might look like a worship song. It might look like an incredible book or a really good devotional time. But I wonder, what sword has God placed in your hand? What tools has God placed in your hand to remind you of who you are and what you're called to? So, the season of being in between in terms of where you are. What about being in between in terms of who you are? When we stand in those seasons of in-between, who we are and who we know we're called to be, when there are things in our nature that we know are there, and please know I have them, I have many of them, things in our nature where we go, do you know what, this is who I am, but I know these things in my nature are not who God calls me to be. Getting angry, being impatient, being greedy, being addicted, addicted to porn, alcohol, gambling, shopping, gossip, cynicism talking about people behind their back, assuming the worst in other people. Maybe even um, being in a relationship and actually your weakness is that you find other people outside of that relationship more attractive than the person that you're with. So often we find ourselves in a place where we know who we are, but there's things there that we know that they are not who we are called to be. So how do we operate there? We see something really interesting in David here. We see this begin to happen. So, verse 5. But then, after he's cut the robe, David's conscience began bothering him because he has cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, this is the thing I've done. I've done that thing that keeps cropping up. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone in his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord, the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed down low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed me at your mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting me and trying to kill me. I wonder whether some of us have things where we act and then immediately we know that is not who Jesus is calling me to be. 
Um, I am an only child. Uh, that may not surprise some of you. I say that and people go, oh, that explains it. Now, I don't know what they mean by that, but it is a fact. I am an only child. And um, I used to go with my parents uh, on weekends to National Trust houses. And I love the National Trust. My husband, less of a fan. Me, huge fan. And uh, I, I would go around these houses. And after a while, and after visiting a number of them, my dad began to have this uh, theory that in every National Trust house, there is a picture of the same woman doing different things. He, it's like he thinks they ran out of faces. And so he would walk around National Trust houses looking for this woman to show her face. And um, it began with, oh, look, there she is again, until he got to the point where he would actively seek out pictures of this woman. And be like, look, there she is again. And I'm saying, I'm, not, I'm really not sure that, that that's, it's her. Okay, okay. Yeah, I actually Googled it. I'm still not convinced. But my dad is so certain that we will go into these situations and he would see that woman's face. Do you know, there will be certain situations that you go into and this characteristic of yours will begin to show its face. It will be somewhere there. It might be during a time of frustration. I believe that the reason David acted out here is because he was frustrated. It might be when things are going badly. This is the thing you turn to. Negative thoughts about yourself. Um, Shopping. I said before, maybe addiction, maybe it's going into relationship after relationship. Something goes wrong and this is the thing you turn to. You know at the minute it's a part of who you are, but you know it's not a part of who God has called you to be. And so we we get frustrated with ourselves because we know that we don't want that to be who we are. Do you know, I believe we need to begin by spotting our patterns. Um, spotting when is it that this thing begins to show its face? What are the circumstances? Uh, For David, I believe that it's a pattern that maybe we actually see later on in his life, that when he is in a position of frustration, he begins to take things that aren't his and try and push situations along that never should have been entered into. We look at Bathsheba later on in his life when he is at home rather than at war, sees someone else's wife and decides to sleep with her. In this situation where he's hiding in a cave and the not yet seems right in front of him and he just takes it. What are our patterns? But often, to work out what these in-between parts of our nature are, there's a really easy way of identifying it. You see, there's a cycle that happens, and we see it here. You're frustrated, you're wound up, you're disappointed, you're hurt, um, and then you do something. Whatever that thing is, it begins to show its head, and you begin to respond to it. And then maybe you act on it. But as soon as you do, as soon as you've spent that money, as soon as you've opened your mouth, as soon as you've had that thought, or as soon as you've gone to that place, you immediately know that it was the wrong choice. And then there's remorse. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. I'm such an idiot. Why do I always do this? And then there's shame and guilt. And we feel awful about ourselves. And eventually we go back to normal and then the whole cycle begins again. Do you know, if you're here this morning and... Um, You've accepted Jesus into your life. I believe that God does not call us to guilt or to shame. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, then I believe that this is something, the gift that he wants to give you. We are not called to guilt or to shame. We are called to freedom. But that doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want. That means that we live in freedom. We live shameless, audacious lives as we journey towards the person of Jesus and becoming who he wants us to be. Um, For the purpose of this morning, I've called these moments our cave moments. Um, The reason I call them that is because they're often times or situations that happen in the dark. Not literally, well, maybe. But they're they're times that happen in the secret, where no one else is there, where no one else sees, when you're alone, in a hidden place. 
right in your heart often, that's the root of it. And not necessarily something that a lot of people know about. These cave moments. But the cave moments themselves, I don't believe, are actually the problem. The problem is how we choose to respond to these cave moments. Because I believe actually that these cave moments are great opportunities to build our character. And the difference is how you view the cave that you're in. So in this situation, we have David and we have Saul. And they're both in the same cave. They both under attack. They both have the same thing. But they view their cave very, very differently. You see, for Saul, his cave moment is a place of safety and refuge. And uh, it's the place where he goes to escape. And I wonder whether there are, there are things in our lives when we just need a bit of escapism. We just need to switch off and that's the thing we go to. Uh, I've had a rough day, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink a bottle and a half of wine. Um, they may be really angry, so I'm just going to talk about them however they want. But, and this is how I vent. This is how I let go. This is how I do things. This is, how I, this is, this is just me. This is what I do. And it's a really dangerous thing to justify things that we shouldn't be doing because actually they're our place of safety and our place of refuge. You see, David saw the cave very differently. Rather than a place of safety and refuge, David saw this as an opportunity. And that is what I want us to see these cave moments as this morning. You see, Saul, it wasn't that he had to go into this cave moment alone either. He wasn't all alone in this situation. He had 300 elite troops just outside the cave. But he walked into this cave on his own. He wanted to be isolated and alone. Why? Because he completely underestimated the danger of that situation. Do you know, um, if you're looking to get into a relationship with someone you shouldn't be in a relationship with, actually the texts that you send them and the messages you send them are really important because you could be massively underestimating the danger you're getting yourself into. If you have a a repetitive, addictive um, action that you keep doing, actually just edging towards that thing, don't underestimate the danger of it. It's really important that we are real about the situations we're in. And the difference for David was that he understood that this was a cave. He got it. He knew that in this cave, there is only one way out. There's one way out of a cave, and it's out the front. It's in front of everyone. It's public, and it's obvious. And I believe that God wants to call us out of our cave moments. For David, he was stepping out there where there were 300 elite troops out there, the person that he wanted to face least in the world. But I believe that sometimes we can be stood in our cave moments and God can be calling us out from the mouth of the cave going, come out, it's okay, you don't need to be in there. You were not created for caves. You were not created for darkness and to be trapped, but you were created for freedom. And why did David go out? Because he recognized that whatever stood out there, the freedom was worth it. And the cost of staying where he was in that situation was actually way too high. And so I believe this morning, if there's some stuff you're going through, if there are things in your nature that you wish weren't there, I would really advise you to come out of the front of that cave this morning. Go and speak to someone, share what you're struggling with. Trust me when I say you are not the only person who gets it wrong. Genuinely, please, please do act. The thing that makes it easier to step away from the stuff that we wish wasn't in our lives It's really having a clear understanding of who you are and who you are called to be and what you are called for. Because when you know what you are called for, it makes it much easier to walk walk away from what you're not. It makes it much easier when you know what you're called to and who you are called to be to walk away from who you know you're not called to be. And it's having that in our minds. So, as I wrap up, um, I think if there was one thing that I would love us to know and remember... It will be that however long your in-between season is, 
However tiring and exhausting it is, holding the now and the not yet intention, please never cut corners. You see, when we begin to cut corners, we begin to lean in either direction because we're tired. But I believe, just like with that exercise band with Nathan and Dan before, that actually it's in the tension, in that stretch that we grow. That's where we're called to build muscle. And it's really important that we, we build muscle in these in-between seasons because we need to be people who can support what God has for us when we get there. We need to be people whose character can support our calling that God has put on our lives. Um, as I say, Stephen Spurtick spoke on this passage and he had a great sentence. He said, God is much less bothered about if you get there and much more bothered about how. He's much more bothered about who you are when you get to the destination he has for you. And so I believe that in this season, and really in whatever season it is that you're in, that there's a really important question we have to ask ourselves. Do you trust God? Do you trust God in the season that you're in? Do you trust him enough to wait out the season that you're in? Do you trust him enough to step out of the cave that you have found yourself in? If the answer to those is no, I would really advise you to speak to someone here this morning before you leave. And if the answer is yes, then I would ask you another question. So today, while you're waiting in this place of in-between, what will God have you do today that would move you towards the place where you want to be? Just today. And so I believe that we need to remember that this is not our fight David was able to do what he did and became king because he knew ultimately it was God's battle and not his. That he waited on God's timing. That God was king. And while God was king, he would eventually become king. But the fight was not David's to handle in the meantime. And so in a second, we are going to go into a time of communion. And in that time, I think symbolically, it's going back to God and saying, I remember what you did for me. God, I remember that you gave your life to me. I recognize who you are. And maybe for some of us, this is an example of a Goliath sword moment, a tool to go, do you know what? I've done it before and I'll do it again. Just remember who I am and remember who you are called to be. So in a moment, we're going to go to the, the tables. There's one here, one down here and two in the back corners as well. It would be great maybe if you could go in groups, uh, take communion at the table. And then once you've taken communion, return to your seats. Uh, and then we will go into uh, a time of reflection and response. But for now, we're going to go into communion. So if you could stand, I'm going to pray um, while we get the communion tables ready. Jesus, I thank you that you are king of all seasons. God, no matter what season we sit in here this morning, whether we are in between, whether we're absolutely fine, whether things just seem horrendous. God, we come back to you this morning and say, the battle is yours. It was never our battle. God, we are so grateful for what you have done for us already. And we wait expectantly for what you will do ahead. Amen. So we're gonna go into communion now. If you wanna come in groups to your tables, uh, eat communion there and then return to your seats. Then we'll move on in a short while.